0: It wasn't my ambition to do so, but I went to one of the great museums in the world, which is located in D.C. It has, at the time, four or five massive buildings, and it housed the treasures of so many cultures. The museum that is in Jerusalem likewise holds a plethora of artifacts, The Hermitage, one of my favorite museums, I stood just in awe of Rembrandt's many depictions in art, and then, of course, the Louvre. Inside that French museum years ago, I was looking at Da Vinci's Mona Lisa. It's got a lot of run, but it's not his best work. It does mark a passage of time in his development. History often reflects those times captured in images on various levels, history. The historical count speaks a clearer narrative in such expressions about the people that passed through there. Sculptures, marble, sometimes buildings, pillars, Particular motifs and paintings are all connected in this view of the people that passed through there. Fabrics and tapestries also, stained glass, which depict images and time periods, they tell stories of victory and defeat. They are all aesthetic objects and visual expressions of some notable scene. People have drawn, painted, sculptured their most important moments for the express purpose of an account so that their children could remember. So that some other generation could recall that time. Some for celebration and others for remorse. But the image is created so it can be remembered. Mm -hmm. Monuments mark moments. Joshua did as much upon crossing the Jordan River. He called for a monument of stones to be taken from the dry riverbed so that in time when their children ask how they crossed over or what happened there, Joshua said, these stones shall be a memorial so that when your children ask of them, you can tell them of this day. They were not just a pile of rocks, ladies and gentlemen. They were a testimony of something God did for them and how they came to be. Something in our lives should be set aside so we can remember that God was good to us. If nothing else, a conversation that we can tell that life has not always been the way it is right now, but God brought you from someplace and it brought you out. Before we move on too quickly, you ought to recall that the Lord was good to you. And if it's been good today or yesterday, you ought to tell somebody it's not always been this way. I didn't always have it together. I didn't always have unity. I didn't always have peace. And I submit that our history demands the element of honesty. We weren't always saved. We weren't always on the right path. Many were filled with doubt and anguish. The cumulative addictions that have fallen off all of us. If we had time to tell the story, all the addictions that used to be on all of us today that have fallen off that God took from us, I wish somebody would just rise up and say, I used to be somewhere else, but God set me free. I've got a testimony, and I want to set up a memorial. Oh, yes. Come on, we are a people, but we were not always a people. But God brought us in. We had no inheritance, but now we are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Uh, I offer the scene, the depiction of the Last Supper, the Passover Supper. Consider that meal meal. The twelve disciples and Jesus, a rented room, a table, bread, meat, the vegetables, the the idea of it. I, I cannot say for certain how many artists have painted that particular scene, but we know that there are at least over 20 renowned artists from the Italian Renaissance era who painted The Last Supper. They painted, they drew, depicted that most pivotal moment in time. And not only that scene, but there were other scenes... They painted the prayer of the Lord in Gethsemane. There are multiple paintings of the betrayal of Jesus by Judas. There are paintings and sculptures of the scourging by the Roman guards. Large nails plunging deep into the upper hands and into the feet of Jesus. Chiseled in stone, the crucifixion itself. There are Sculptures of a doubting Thomas as he thrust his hand into the side of a risen Savior, a wounded Savior. Caravaggio captured it best. Those were the scenes of the era when people looked to the most intense moments of their time. The images imprinted on their minds, the depictions displayed on walls and ceilings and marble, molded in precious metal. You know the moment because there is an image of it, the Last Supper, the Passover, mere hours before their world would turn upside down. None of them knew what was to befall them. They ate the traditional meal as in years past. This was not their first Passover. They joined the host of Jerusalem for the cedar meal. The intensity in the paintings are all there. Shades of instruction, Jesus washing their feet, the disciples arguing over who was the greatest among them. The Lord reveals the plot of Judas. One of you shall betray me. Confusion rests like a weighted blanket about their feet. The vine for position, perhaps the banter of self-declarations. Jesus then changes the mood. His words are cast into the air. They are heavy and they are harsh. One of you. That dips the bread. One of you will deny me. All of you will abandon me. How about this verse in your Bible? Verse 37 of Luke 22. For I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors. For the things concerning me have an end. It means I will be numbered with sinners. With thieves. The lowest of society. And what is written about me is... It's close to its fulfillment. He said, it's almost over. But they are clueless. The disciples have no idea, notwithstanding they have no idea. Jesus presses them and they are oblivious to the coming hours before them. They even present to him two swords in that night that can be sold for money to keep the ministry going. The disciples are missing the whole point to which Jesus dismisses their offer and waves them off, simply saying, it is enough. A wave off he did not need the money he wasn't talking about their ministry he was talking about trouble coming their way he gives them instruction perhaps the very last time before the garden prayer and then without warning Jesus turns to Peter without provocation there's no lead-up there's no indication of such a warning they're all just sitting there watching him at that table and eating and Jesus turns to Peter and he says and I quote Peter, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to sift you as wheat. He wants to have you. And I've seen that painted also. I've seen it. Some of the artists that capture this stern warning, those words will be fulfilled in a denial around a camp, a midnight campfire. The gravity of it all, the sifting of Satan. Satan. Some nondescript place just outside of Caiaphas' house. A young girl, an accusation in the dark. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, Peter. It was so much easier for Peter to boast of his loyalty in the comfort and the confinement of his own brethren. He said, I'll never deny you, Lord. But thrown into the night with no defense and Peter wilts in the shimmer of a feeble accusation. Yes, you're one of them. I know you're one of them. Your speech betrays you. And Peter recoils at the notion he went from joining the Lord in death to denying that he even knew the Lord. He even swore a solemn oath like a witness before the jury. Hand raised, grim expression. Expression. He said, I never knew him. I've seen the painting of the Last Supper. I've seen the painting of the crucifixion. I've seen in print Peter's betrayal, his cowardly expression. One artist depicted a wide-eyed Simon Peter who hears the rooster crow afar off in the distance, some echo that sounds like judgment. He's running. I've seen all of those. What I have not seen is verse 32. The canvas held the supper. It had a place for the twelve to eat and Jesus to be there in the midst. It has a place for the... The moment that Judas dips his bread in the broth. But off of that canvas, there is a word of intercession being made for the failure to come. No one ever paints verse 32. 31, yes. Satan is coming for you, yes. Temptation is coming for you, yes. A denial is in your future. They're painting that. But here's verse 32. Jesus said, he's coming for you. Here's the next one. But I have prayed for you that thy faith fail not. And when you are converted, you're going to strengthen the brethren. So I stand here today and I rise to say that it could be that the Lord's greatest work has never made it to quill and it's never made it to parchment and it's never made it to brush or to paint. And I hope you can receive this today. But I felt the impression of the Lord in my spirit. I don't know how he talks to you. But the word was in me. And the Lord spoke to me in my mind. And he told me in the night, tell my people I am working. I'm working. Tell them I'm working on their behalf. Even when they cannot see me, I'm working. Even when no one shows it, I'm working. Ah. The Lord told me to tell somebody today, most of my work has never been seen. No one paints my greatest work. They're going to paint you in denial. They're going to paint you in trouble. But they're not going to paint the day that I'm standing up on behalf of you and your life. And I'm making intercession for your life. (laughs) Could someone just receive it? Stop looking at the temporal. God's doing something that you cannot see. Oh This is Jesus when he says to Peter, "My prayer is that you're not going to lose your faith. Accusations are going to come your way. There is self-destruction in your path. They're going to paint it for years to come. They're going to draw it. They're going to talk about it. Preachers are going to preach about it. But I want you to know, I am interceding for you. That when that day comes and you fail your greatest test, you're not going to lose your faith. Prison life would be better than stolen faith. Bankruptcy is better than lost faith. Being friendless, being abandoned. Being an outcast or a vagabond from the commonwealth of Israel, losing your identity, as horrible as it may be, does not compare to losing your faith. And in the background, somewhere off to the side, a scene just as relevant and certain as any Passover dinner or moment or betrayal, Jesus himself is standing in the gap So do not think for one moment that what you see is all that is happening. He's doing things on your behalf that no one can see, and you cannot qualify. There is a reality of hope and help, regardless of what your eyes have witnessed. I stand as a witness of the Holy Ghost. He's working on your behalf. He's working. He did not give up on you. Do not feel like it's over. It is not over. Rebuke the devil, but I just want to say something to the saints. The Lord is still working for you. <laughs> yeah. I wish somebody would just say, "I'm not losing my faith. I'm not losing my faith. I can lose my health. I can lose my friends. I can lose my money, but I'm not losing my faith." Don't let your faith fail now. Woo! Somebody's got to rise up and say, "I'm not giving up. He's working on my behalf." I get a little weary with all the junk. Everything I see... It burdens my spirit the things that I hear it burdens me down And if I could just look at the things that I can see with my natural eyes No wonder why people are depressed No wonder why there's so much anxiety and pain and heartache and confusion and doubt No wonder why people are hanging their head because all they witness is the things they can see with their eyes But you serve a God that calls those things which be not as though they were And you cannot look with your temple eyes. He's working. He's off the canvas Just give me a moment if you will. The Bible says that Daniel prayed for three weeks. Daniel. Daniel prayed for three weeks. With no answer. Now that may not be unusual for you, but I submit that those three weeks were like a lifetime for a man who received on-spot interpretations. He wasn't used to that. Some of us are used to it prayed a month later it happened boom praise God not Daniel you give him a hard saying a riddle a dream he's ready to interpret right now so three weeks is like a lifetime all he knew was that a prayer went up and no answer came down what he did not see was a spiritual battle taking place in a realm befall, bef- beyond the natural realm can you imagine you're praying and there's a battle over the answer. There are battles taking place over your prayer. Right now, you've been praying for something and you got a little discouraged. Maybe you're really discouraged. And you don't know why God's not coming through what you cannot see, is that there's a battle raging right now. What And when he finally got the answer, Gabriel said, The Lord heard you when you prayed. But there was a battle. The prince of Persia, which was a demonic spirit, withstood me. And I was battling, but Michael came to the rescue. And there's a battle in the spirit world. What you don't know is that the Lord's working even when you cannot see that he's working. He's doing something for you, but you don't know. So instead, your your friends say, well, look, at what, ha- look, at, what, look at, at what has happened to your family. How is that working for you? How is that working for you? And they're painting you a grim picture of the mess in your family and in your health. And they're saying, look, we have it good, and we don't, we don't serve the Lord, and we're not part of the church, and we, we're fine. What they don't know is they're heading for destruction, and what you don't know is they painted a bad picture for you. What's off the canvas is things that God is doing for you And you're gonna give God praise when you see it, but I just admit you don't have to wait to see it To believe that God is working on your behalf I cannot be specific But we both see the moment and we all feel the struggle. Maybe other people feel it too. But I'm just going to stand here and pray the prayer of Elisha. I don't know if Elisha was excited or if he had coffee. But he prayed this in the morning. Because his servant saw the problem. And his servant said, alas, master, what are we going to do? Because we have issues... We're not getting out of this one. Look with your eyes, Elisha. We're surrounded. They're hunting us down. They're closing in on us. I feel constrained. I've got anxiety. What are we going to do, Elisha? And Elisha said, that sounds like fear to me. So fear not, because those that be with us are more than they that be with them. I don't see it. I can't feel it. There's no verifiable evidence around me. All I can see is the problem and the conflict and the constraint and the issues and the bad report. I got the painting. I can look at it right here. And Elisha says, Oh no, you're only seeing part of it. So Elisha prays the prayer. I'm praying over everybody today. I pray, Lord, that you would open their eyes that they may see. Because beyond that thing that you see is something greater. Oh, hey I want to I I, I want to dispel something here. I'm not submitting motivation I Don't want to motivate you if This sounds like a motivational presentation. This is not motivation. This is a revelation There's a huge difference. They're not even close They're not close Motivation is about what you can do, and you can't do anything. Revelation is what God is doing, and you can't do anything, <laughs> and you don't have to do anything. You see, fear is rooted in the unknown, and we need a revelation because He didn't purchase you with His own blood just to lose you in a fight. A revelation denotes. That Something was hidden, but now it is revealed. It was revealed The thing revealed is the basis of our confidence the revelation points to the unseen hand of God and The Lord wants to reveal things to his people. Let me just give you a couple of examples The mystery of the Godhead is revealed great is the mystery of, of godliness, but here's the revelation of it God was manifest in the flesh That's the revelation justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles. He was believed on the world and he was received up in the glory. Let me just reveal to you the mystery of the kingdom that was revealed. Jesus said unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without all these things are done in parables. Here's the mystery of death. Just in case anyone is fearful, I want to reveal it to you. Paul said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall rise incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. These are revelations. When you get the revelation, I'm not talking about the nuances of scripture. I'm talking about the revelation that God is on your side and he is not going to let you go down. He is fighting on your behalf. And though they painted you as a denier and a betrayer, and, a, and a, he is interceding for you. Mm -mm -mm -mm. and I have one more here's a revelation you need to know somebody needs to know this today you need to know this today because if you don't know this you're going to get discouraged and you're not going to get up I want you to know this you're not alone God is going to finish what he began I want you to know you've never walked alone. And when you're hurting, you're not alone. He was with you. He is with you. And he shall be with you. He was with you. He is with you. And he shall be with you. Because he is that which was and which is and which is to come. He was in your past when you thought you were by yourself. He's in your present when you cannot see him. And he's in your tomorrow before you ever get there. He's the Alpha and the Omega for you. I don't know how many are who I'm preaching to today, but the Lord told me this in my sleep. Tell the people I'm working. Tell the people I'm working for them that even if they can't see me, I'm still working for them. Tell them don't trust your own eyes and to think that's all. God is doing something on your behalf. Okay. I, I, I know my presentation sounds like I want... To hype this up. I don't want to hype this up because this you're gonna to have to remember this tomorrow or next month. You're gonna to have to remember this. I I I want us to shout and we're gonna dance and we have to do this. We have to express the emotion. But I just want you to know when you get low and we are down and no one's calling you and no one's sending you a card and all you see is misery and contact. I want you to know the Lord is on your side he 's been drawing you and helping you and there 's an, a battle happening here and spiritual warfare happening there and the angels are standing in the in the in the way and God is in your in your corner and the Lord is praying for you and uh. hey Hebrews 13:5: If you have your Bibles, you ought to underline two verses. Let your conversation be without covetousness. When you covet everything around you, it destroys you. It's the American way of life. All advertisement and marketing is on based around you wanting something. They'll tell you you want it, even though you don't want it. They'll tell you you need it even though you don't need it. You need a lot less things than you have. Okay. Okay. I had one missionary say amen. And the Americans are thinking about their next storage facility. It's about this time. Go ahead. Go into Menards and Lowe's. Go there. They got big tubs for you to buy. So you can put the stuff that you want in the tub. But when you run out of room in your house, outside of those facilities, they have storage sheds. Okay, this is not going over very well, is it? (laughs) No shouting on first line. Because we talk about what we want. And usually what we're talking about are things, materials, things that rust and fade away. Stop talking about that. Be content, he said, with such things as you have. Oh, that's another egregious statement. We like other scriptures. We don't treat them all the same. In fact, the ones that invade us, we usually skip over. Because when you get it right, and your conversation is right, and you're content, this is what he gave you. For he hath said, you have me. You may not have that, but you have me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to leave you. You got me. Now you might not have all the stuff and you may not have it all together and you may not have life right and your home is not set up right and you may have less than what you want but I'm not leaving anywhere. I'm not leaving you. I'll never leave you and I won't forsake you. That way we can say, well, the Lord is my helper. Come on now. Now the Lord is my helper. And I don't walk in fear. I don't care what the world is going to do. Hold on a second. I'm not walking in fear. Some of you ought to turn off the news. Because the news is making you fearful. (laughs) What? You have eaten all of that garbage. And now you're afraid of what's going to happen. Do not be afraid. Stop being afraid. Do you not know who you are? You are the child of the most high God. And he said, I'm not going anywhere. You can lose your stuff, but you're not going to lose him. He's working on your behalf. Come on, say it. The Lord is my helper. Say it. The Lord is my helper. He's working. He's moving. He's doing what only he can do. And I rise to say, there is an intercession in the Holy Spirit and by the Spirit. And here's the revelation. Do not think that what you see is the only work that he will ever do. There is so much more that he is doing. And you cannot ever see it. You won't see it. But for a moment, I'd like to just paint something off the canvas for a moment. The totality of the Lord's mighty hand is beyond what I can witness with my natural eyes. So paint the Last Supper if you must. And talk about the tragedy of friends, if you will. And paint those doubtful hues of those who have rejected the doctrine. But that is not the end of the story. There is an intercession and a drawing of the Holy Spirit that has never been painted. And I know what the enemy would like to plant inside of our hearts. And I know that we can all fail and wounds come from all directions, both external and self-induced. But I got another scripture for you. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. So if you're walking in here and you consider yourself unworthy, that's okay. If you describe yourself in pitiful terms that you're messed up or fallen down or you have regret, let me just tell you, he's greater than your heart. He's greater than your own. Condemnation you cannot condemn yourself enough. He's still working on your behalf. I Love when people say they're not good enough to be saved Well, then you're in the right spot Because no one has ever been good enough to be saved and the moment you think you are good enough to be saved You're lost You've been lost from the get go. You should have known I was ugly, I was dirty, I was grimy. Don't tell me that you grew up in Pentecost or you grew up in the church, you've always been this way. You are still a sinner far from God, and you still had to repent, and you were still in debauchery and decay, but the Lord brought you. I just I just feel like I have to say a few things here about regret. Because if you have no regrets, you're not alive. Come on people. Now regrets range from small to large. I've got large regrets that I will not speak about because I put them under the blood. I got smaller regrets about mm, cheesecake <laughs> with the caramel in it. Not just it wasn't the first piece. It was it was the, Some of you know. Come on, who can identify? You Everybody's got regrets. I walked out of there thinking, "Why did I do that? I shouldn't have ate that. Why did I do that? But they had one, and I wanted one. And I justified. Did I lose you, now? Paul wrote to the church in Rome, I find then a law that when I would do good, cheesecake is present. He said, The things that I do not want to do, those are the things I end up doing. The things I want to do, I don't even get to them. I have a battle raging in my members. I want to tell you, God is greater than your heart. He's working on your behalf, even when you are working against yourself. I'm working. Tell the people I'm working. When you feel good, he's working. When you feel bad, he's working. When you're up, he's working. When you're down, he's working. When you can see him, he's working. When you cannot see him, he's working. My concern is that we become so enamored with what we can see and we believed in so much what other people have painted and presented. I'm concerned that we have distorted the intentions of our God. We see giants. God's greater than the giants. We see impassable waters. He's greater than the water. We see walls. He's greater than all the walls. Who told you that you were alone? Who told you that you were weak? Who told you that you were out of order? He has ordered your steps even when you cannot see him. I don't want this to be trite I just want you to, to do this this week when a trouble comes your way This is not a recital it's not a babbling it's not a murmuring I want you to speak his name when you start to rehearse the situation say Jesus And then you look in the mirror and you say to yourself, the Lord is my helper, Jesus. And don't make an assumption that whatever has been presented is the end of the story. He might be in that story, but chances are he's way beyond that. He's working for you when you leave here. And the angels are encamping around about your life. He's keeping you from things we don't even know how to thank him for. Because we're not living in the reality of the things he kept us from. Don't minimize him. I feel compelled just to tell the story mom and dad are here. And, and we were, we were little kids. We lived on a little road called Capel Drive and m- mom and dad went to general conference or some conference he went to and we all went as a family and dad got loaded up the car. And while we were gone for the week, there was some, some men who came through and while people were asleep and while they were asleep and while they were at work, they, they broke into homes all up and down the, the drive and they robbed people. They took their possessions. There was no alarm systems back then. And, and and we we were home, and Mom was in the yard and, and a lady i suppose talked to her about all all of the robberies and 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 she said to my mother she said well Rosalie I guess you were so glad that that your house wasn't broken into because you had all those people at your house and mom said oh honey I'm sorry we didn't have anyone at home we were gone all week she said oh no 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 we saw in the big bay window all the people walking all night and every day and there were people and there were lights on mom said oh no there was no one at our home we were gone all week at a conference and she said oh no Rosalie all of us saw the people at your house, it, was, it looked like a bunch of people in your house, and the lights were on the bay window. What are you talking about? He's better than an alarm system, he's better than a pit bull. <laughs> You cannot replace him. You cannot do better than him. He's working on your behalf. And the angels are with you. You got to know who you're serving. Please don't make an assumption now. He's working off the canvas, even heaven. We don't even know. The the best orators, and I've heard some phenomenal sermons. Your eyes cannot behold it. It hasn't even entered your heart, the things that the Lord has prepared for you. He said, I go, I'm preparing for, for something for you, that where I am, there ye may be also. So do not lay down and die, ladies and gentlemen. I'm almost done. Peter's in trouble. I'm almost done. And the commentators are going to cast him into a mold, but what they're ignoring is the most important scene. I saw him at the table. I saw him. I saw him in rebuke. I saw him in betray, in, in denial at the campfire. What I did not see is the moment that the Lord said, "I'm praying for you." Who? who who's praying for you? Who? Who? Let me tell you who. I'll just read a little bit. I don't I don't have time to read all the scripture. I'll give you just a little excerpt. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven. And that are on earth visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power all things were created by him and for him and he is before all things and by him all things consist here's the last one and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in all things He might have preeminence, so just if you need to know who's praying for you who's interceding for you who's standing your behalf I want to let you know somebody greater Somebody more powerful I'm not please stand with me. I'm not motivated today. This is not motivation This is a revelation That wherever I go, he's there. Somebody has to say it with me. He's my helper. Say, the Lord is my helper. Somebody speak his name, Jesus. Say, Jesus is my helper. This is not a recital. I just want you to practice. Because you're going to get in a conflict. It may be before the day is out. And what you've got to say out of your own mouth. Jesus is my helper you're going to get in a problem, you're going to have a situation, and you got to say, whatever I see with my natural eyes, that's not the whole story. Here's a scripture. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. Don't get too excited. I know I'm messed up right now. But when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness... (laughs) the Lord shall be a light unto me don't paint me in the picture of my worst dilemma and my problem cause I want to tell you the Lord's not through with me yet Jesus is my helper and he's the Lord and he's God and he's he is great and he is the redeemer So you need to know that the Lord is not through. And you need to know that the Lord is not done. And you need to know that you are not over. Come on, somebody just thank him because I'm not done. Just thank him. Say it. I'm not done. I'm not through. Come on, say it. I'm not through. I'm not, my life, someone ought to rejoice. I'm not over. I heard the report. I know what I did, but I'm not done. get excited about me falling I'm going to get back up don't count me out the Lord is working on my behalf you want to receive it and you want to rejoice over it because you got a revelation happened uh, about this happened about 20 years ago 25 years ago somewhere in there that it gri- it gripped American society it, it might have been 25 years ago was the self-help methods and in one of those particular of course comedians mocked this after a while but in one of those sessions it kind of of course, we know what viral means it didn 't go it, it kind of spread out, so it kind of went viral. where you were instructed to go to a mirror, and this is what your coach, a life coach, paid big money for this. this is people spent a lot of money on motivational life coaches. You were instructed to go to a mirror a mirror and you were supposed to say to yourself you 're good yeah. you 're doing good you 're better." than you think you are. You're supposed to repeat this stuff in the mirror. I want to tell you something. The Bible says there is no one good. Not one. Save the Lord. I want you to know you cannot make it on your own. You will not make it on your own. You weren't designed to make it by yourself. But you ought to go to the mirror and you ought to look in the mirror and say God is good. He's on my side. He's been better to me than he's than I've been than I've been to myself. You ought to look in the mirror and say the Lord is my helper. You ought to say the Lord is my shepherd and I don't want anything. You ought to go to the mirror and say you're not going to get down. You're not going to get depressed because you got a revelation that the Lord is working for you. Come on, let's just rejoice our way out all the way home.